Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey, Winner Brains is. This week, I'm talking to podcaster and professional talker about science, comedian and co-founder of At Minority STEM, Hannah Ayoub. You've heard her co-hosting fellow Acast sciencey podcast, Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? Every now and again, I am hopping on Instagram live with former Hoovering guests. That's worth you knowing about. Uh, it was weekly and it's a bit more sporadic now, but I've had some absolute belting guests. Um, Desiree Birch, Rosie Jones, Mark Watson and many others. Uh, make sure you're just following at the Hoovering pod on Twitter and Instagram to find out what's happening with the next one of those. Um, Thank you for listening generally to the podcast. Thank you even more if you're telling other people about it. Uh, If you want, you can rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find uh, this podcast. Um, I hope you're eating nice stuff. I don't have other work things to um, wang on about you two, really. I've obviously got no live stuff at the moment. Um, I wonder if now you're allowed to meet people for barbecues and picnics, you're doing it. I am. Hoping to start recording some outdoor distant hoovering soon but we'll see i'll keep them remote for now um only other work stuff to tell you about from my point of view is i was on news quiz the other week that's on bbc sounds right now and i'm on qi on telly for the first time ever in the series that's coming out on bbc two super soon um i recorded it before lockdown thankfully and it was so much fun actually mate I can't, I might even watch it, uh, but please may you watch it. If you've got any spare dollar, give it to a food bank. Um, if even after that, you've got some spare wedge, um, I am on Patreon. 
go to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the hoovering pod and you'll see how you can financially support the podcast from as little as two dollars a month in exchange for some very cool podcast related gubbins so uh, hannah is a bloody dream boat as you're about to hear uh, we really get into some powerful eat chat in this episode if i don't say so myself I felt like a real doozy we're both at home, naturally, and uh, I'm eating some brownies that were very kindly gifted to me, the latest range that came through the post from the lovely Simply Cake Company, and Hannah's wolfing a brownie and a cookie, why not, that she made as part of her Eid celebrations. Am I right in thinking we're having both having some brown a brownie or some brownies? Yes. I don't want to limit it to a brownie. <laughs> I've got a brownie and a cookie sat in front of me. <laughs> are these creatures of your own creation they are so yesterday was eid um so i've done quite a bit of baking <laughs> oh um i might get it wrong but do i say eid mubarak mubarak but yeah very close oh <laughs> anyway happy eid thank you amazing so a lot of baking was occurring yeah I assume. well we had a massive zoom call in the morning with loads of my family in singapore and my parents were very jealous of the baked goods that everyone else had um, oh. <laughs> so afterwards i went and baked them some things oh you're so lovely um i yeah just walking around actually yesterday i live in southeast london but um just just incredible seeing people really dressed up to the nines unfortunately yeah. only able to hang out in their own front garden but yeah. it, there was obviously some really lovely kind of walk by celebrating going on um what strange times yeah at least food sharing which as far as i understand it is a huge part of ramadan and eid yeah. is is still allowed thank god yes. just from a distance yeah i know um i know a friend who lives um on his own in america and he basically spent the whole day cooking and then his friends came and picked up doggy bags of food oh. um, this was amazing like you know i mean and in many ways that is sort of what it's all about so yeah. i think he had a, he had a good day or as good as it could be oh that's so lovely actually i don't know if you get this but i've had uh, i've had conversations about it in the past but i think that um lockdown really exacerbates it and especially when it comes to food actually as a gift but you get as big a kind of endorphin rush from feeding someone yeah. than you do from getting given food if yeah. not bigger yeah. like it looks so kind but it makes you feel so great <laughs> i um <laughs> i was having like a bit of a low patch um during lockdown a few weeks ago and my solution to this was to pretty much put together 20 packs of cookies and post them to people oh, um, oh. and like it consumed an entire weekend but th- i mean the amount of joy it brought me to then see you know people texting me over the following week being like oh my god i got my cookies <laughs> yeah it's, it is the most incredible feeling. Yeah. Get in. What, um, can you tell me about the brownie and the cookie that you've got? Yeah, so I, um, the brownie I have, it looks a bit like a cake because I made it in a cake tin. So it's like a wedge shape. Um, nice. And it, it has white chocolate stars and sort of glittery sprinkles on top. Oh, nice. My friend, um, I have a friend from school called Gemma who makes a fridge cake that always looks like that mm. on top. Yeah, no, and it's it's like my favourite brownie recipe. I think I've been making this one since I was about fourteen. Um, wow! Used to make a batch and take it into like you know school, and all my friends would like pretty much finish it within about half an hour of me walking through the school gates. Nice. Um, and it's strange because when you suggested eating brownies, I was like, "That's the one recipe I haven't made during lockdown. I have to make it now." 
Yeah, crack on. Get um, some brownies brewing. So are you into baking as much as cooking more than cooking? Um, I'd say about equal. Um, I really love baking um, and I think it it really appeals. To, so I've got I have a science degree. I've got a science background. I'm also an yeah. artist. And I think there's something about baking that just brings those two together beautifully well perfectly put it's so true isn't it there's yeah. a real well there's a literally a chemistry to it yeah it's a necessity for it to work but also it's one of those things where it's almost a bit disney film isn't it because you can get all the science perfect but mm. you do need to throw a bit of uh i don't know if it's emotion or at least a desire to be there into it as well yeah, you can totally yeah. you can have a totally soulless bit of bakery that was done with the perfect science there's also something magic about yeah, it yeah i know exactly what you mean and like we like definitely in our family i think i've really got this from my mum but there's the thing about like never cooking for, or baking for someone else when you're feeling angry like you, you know you have to sort yeah. of put love into what you make um yeah. and i think yeah that's def- i think that sort of ties in with that sort of magic yeah, I mean, I've managed to wreck scrambled eggs with PMT. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I, I can't remember what it is. But I'm like, oh, my God, that was it. I ended up sat on the kitchen floor crying um, oh. recently because I'd, like, tried to make guacamole from unripe avocados. Oh, I know your pain. It's the worst. That is the worst. And I knew it was a bad idea. <laughs> oh, also, especially during lockdown where you're like, oh, the waste. Yeah. Because once, yeah. once it's yeah. open, there's no going back is there mm. and i think oh, that, that was that was the worst of it so like i knew i knew i should have never cut these avocados open but i went and did it anyway <laughs> oh so it actually was also your fault like just impatience yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> that's really funny I, I, I know what a ripe avocado feels like and i'm just ignoring all my instincts <laughs> Ah, I love it. Um, right, so I, I conversely, I have got brownies that, that have been gifted to me, and um, actually not for the first time on this podcast, um, by a company that, that do them all online. They're called Ooh. Simply Cake Co. And yeah, this lovely woman called Susie runs it, and every now and again she sends me her latest creations to try. And I think they're all vegan. They look incredible. I've got... Um, Shit, I've got six different ones. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm not, I, that, that, we're not going to get, that's not going to happen. I, um, I, <laughs> sadly, I can't, um, I've got too much functioning to do after this to let myself go <laughs> that deep into a sugar coma. But um, I'll obviously put a, a picture in the podcast notes, but they're intriguing. One looks like a normal straight up brownie. The next one along is like covered in chocolate, but I can see that under the chocolate, like some biscuits have been poked into it. Ooh. I can't tell if they're Oreos or something similar to that. Um, then there's one that looks like a normal brownie, but I don't know what's going on here. There's a jelly carrot on top. Very intriguing. Uh, and then there's one with Rice Krispies in it that I really want to eat. And there's one with raspberries in it. I'm not that into um, fruity chocolate um, or like red fruit involved mm-hmm. in chocolate. Oh, I heard you, by the way, on your brilliant podcast, Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? Um uh what well, i heard that one of your co-hosts doesn't like cadbury's chocolate yeah um and then and then they talked about jaffa cakes and you said you're not into them um because you don't like orange being involved with chocolate this yeah. is still true do you stand by it yeah i really i just i can't <laughs> get on board with orange if it's if it's really i've occasionally had like sort of 
orange flavored chocolate where it's sort of very real tasting if that makes sense right. and that yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I i do like um okay. but it's not just orange i don't like any fruit flavored chocolate but so you, like strawberry flavored chocolate just yeah. does like, i just feel nauseous about it but like a chocolate covered strawberry i'm very much behind um, oh God, that's so interesting i know exactly i couldn't agree more actually about dipping a strawberry in some chocolate but i wouldn't ever want a strawberry flavored chocolate and i know exactly what you mean like um to me i'd call it holiday chocolate but like milka and bars mm. like that 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 try and infuse mm, no i'm not into it but i but what about terry's chocolate orange hannah i can't it just yeah i just oh. I like i feel like i'd much rather eat an orange and then have a bar of chocolate okay <laughs> i mean it's okay Fair enough. Um, <laughs> no, fair enough. All the more chocolate oranges for me. I have a thing which um, incites real scorn from some of my loved ones. Um, and and you know that thing where you don't like something and people can't believe it. They can't mm. bear it. And they desperately want you to, tr well, try this version of it. I don't like, like, particularly don't. I just don't care about fruity flavour ice cream. Mm. I'm really into ice cream, but I want it to be like, oh, caramelly or not even chocolate necessarily, nutty ones, minty ones. But um, No, yeah. I'm 100% with you on that. I, um, yes. No, yeah, 100%. Like, occasionally I will have a fruity ice cream. And again, it tends to be something that's really... I, I keep using this word real, but like that has, you know, literally whole strawberries in it or something like yeah, these yeah. posh ones. And I like it, but I'd still much rather have a posh chocolate ice cream yeah. <laughs> given the choice. Um, I couldn't agree more. Now I'm a bit sort of nervous about what to do about these um, brownies because there's one, there's, there's three that I know I'm going to be mad for. There's one with like caramel on top, the, the one with Rice Krispies in it and the mm -hmm. one with like bits of chocolate biscuit baked. I, I mean, I wonder, I think I'm going to have a bite of one that I know I'm going to love. Okay. And then I think the bold and best thing to do for the podcast is try the one that's for some reason had a carrot, <laughs> a sweetie version of a carrot, but a carrot... Um, rested on top of it i don't want my toes in that picture i'm just taking a picture of them um okay i'm gonna try the lovely looking one first okay i'm going okay. in oh my god yeah that that's amazing <laughs> whoa what's going on i think it might be oh i think she's made it out of um do you, do you ever remember a biscuit, like a chocolate-covered biscuit called Viscounts? Yes. Mmm, I think there's a mint, I think there's some mint Viscounts in here. Oh, wow. Mmm. Delicious. Yeah. And um, what's your, is your cookie a straight up? So my cookie, cookie is, um, it's shortbread. Mm. And it's honestly the best shortbread recipe I've ever found. But like I made it for the first time yesterday. And I'm definitely oh, nice. it again. It's like melt in the mouth. Mm. Um, and I think it's because instead of sugar, it uses icing sugar. Right. And in and it also mixes in a bit of corn flour with the flour. Ooh. Um, and there's something about it. Yeah, it is just like it holds together, but yet you bite into it and it just melts. It's amazing. Um, and then I've like put a bit of chocolate on top and sprinkled little Smarties on that. 
which was because of Eid I wanted something a bit colourful that felt Mm. a bit more festive than normal shortbread Um, and mission achieved I think get in Um, (laughs) I had um, lovely Michael Chakravarti off Bake Off on here and um, we um, both cooked shortbread from the same recipe (laughs) (laughs) these were obviously really nice mine weren't but I just never sort of learnt the very basic trick that you just not you meant to make them very thin. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't really, I didn't have that down earlier, earlier in life. Um, so there you go. Yeah, uh, icing sugar and potentially, I think, yeah, just make them scrawny. So I, I, I gather from um, well the brief bit of uh, of, it, of chat we've ever had before, but also from your podcast that you've got serious allergy action going on. Have you? Yeah, I have. Oh, um, mate. So I'm sort of like I'm allergic to nuts, coconut. And then, Ugh. bizarrely, kiwi fruit and rocket. Whoa! <laughs> just to spice things up. <laughs> yeah, just to sort of yeah, really broaden the yeah. palette of things that you can't have. Um, and the, and then, I, sort of on top of sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 crack on. Just on top of that, just to add to the you know um, circus that is my dietary restrictions. Um, I can't physically eat red meat. Um, and have never right. quite figured out why. Um, and medically, I'm advised to limit my dairy. So it, it's a it's a great combination of stuff. God, that's a stressful amount to, um, well, just to always have to be thinking about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But have you got used to it? Has it been forever? And, and can I be rude enough to ask, like, is it allergies like, you know, you go into that shock where you need a pen? So I'm not rude at all. Um, with the nuts, coconut, and kiwi, yes. So I carry um, a couple of epipens around with me. Um, wow. I'm really lucky. I've never had to use my pens, um, but wow. part of that is because some of my some of the really nasty reactions I've had, I've been so close to an A and E that I've just got there before I've needed to use it. So they wow. put stuff, you know, straight into me um, at A and E rather than me having to do it myself. Bloody hell! Can you? Is it? And it's also. I know that, like, if somebody's got a nut allergy on a, then on a plane, then there can't be any nuts on the whole plane. And is that because of spores in the air, like even level? Of- so yeah. So it is like if you. So I'm. I am lucky that I'm not at that level. Right. So if I, you know, like my parents can eat nuts on the sofa next to me, and I'm absolutely fine. Oh, okay. And I, just, I, I just feel like, like the level of stress involved in that level of nut avoidance. Yeah, I, oh. I can't imagine it. Like I'm, I am quite lucky in that regard. Um, yeah. But it is, it is sort of things in the air um, that can just, you know, trigger it because. Um, the thing that I'm not so lucky about is I can be triggered just by touching something. Um, so I had I remember having a really nasty reaction in a sort of home economics class at school where I'd just been like, oh, we're making a thing with walnuts. As long as I don't eat it, I'll be fine. And no, I was covered in hives within seconds of starting to like chop Oh, love. Um, and my mum always tells a story of me, like we, me and my cousins found like a hamster on the beach in Singapore and we decided to start feeding it some peanuts. Um, and yeah, again, it was like hives just all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> really happy hamster though. Yeah, yeah random, the hamster. Random. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I'm interested in the red meat thing as well. Like that's mm. a physiological aversion. Like the idea of it is just like, can't do that. No, well, we've never really got to the bottom of this. And it's one of those right. where like doctors are a bit like, well, if you really want to figure out, we could. But if it's not bothering you that much, then. Yeah. And I'm, you know, 
I, I've never really figured out the cause and effect, whether it's because of that, that I'm quite happy not eating meat or whether I also probably would lean towards some pescatarian, I eat fish, but not meat, like yeah. whether I'd lean towards that anyway. Um, but this is a bit, it's a little bit gross, but if I try and chew red meat, I just can't break it down enough to swallow. It's oh, right. weird. They think I might be missing an enzyme or something because, you know, like so much digestion. Oh, yeah. That like, yeah. Oh, so much digestion goes on whilst you're chewing. You know, that's the first. So, um, and I think what backs that up is that if I eat something that has like mints in it, I can eat yeah. it. But then I get a really nasty stomach ache sort of later right. that day or the next day. Um, but wow. yeah. I guess, suppose as well as a scientist. You are particularly like, I want to understand the workings out. Like, I just want to know yeah, why. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the main that's the main reason I think why I'd want to, like, really push it. But I think there's always been sort of more important, like, medical things to deal with. Yeah, understandably. Especially at the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really, really weird, wouldn't it, now, if right now we were like, government, please, can you direct some resources to working out why Anna specifically doesn't enjoy a rare steak? Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, I mean, go back to what you're saying about that sort of anxiety of having it all to think about. I don't, I think I thought of it as just normal and I got used to it because it's been, you know, pretty much my entire life. And it's only actually been during lockdown that it's really hit me how nice it is not to have that anxiety. Because like, you know, with me and my mum pretty much cooking everything, yeah. I, I know exactly what's on my plate. I know there's not going to be any surprises. You know, I know I don't have to have like, especially in recent years, it feels like the conversations you have with waiters and chefs have got harder and harder where they, they would just rather lean towards you eating nothing in their restaurant whatsoever. <laughs> That's mad, isn't it? Mm. I've spoken to other people on the podcast with, with really severe allergies and it, they've said the same thing, you know, they've gone for meals and, um, and, and been refused you know, been told, well, you know, and they're at family meals, so everyone else is there eating. Yeah, they're not all going to yeah. go somewhere else just for them. But they're like, well, they have to sit there with nothing or yeah. a bowl of rice or something, you know. And um, I mean, that's, it's, uh, I suppose it's, well, it must be entirely fear of litigation, must it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, it is. Yeah, definitely. I suppose you get a few high profile cases of things going really badly wrong, like that, mm. you know, oh, no, well, let's not do them. Let's not add fuel to the fire. Um, but, um, and then that's it. Everybody else sort of shits themselves. Yeah. Getting sued. Um, but, uh, uh, oh, so that's so interesting that you, that there was an anxiety ultimately that you, you'd functioned through slash not really known was yeah. there until it's gone. Yeah. Because actually if now for the first time, you're entirely in control of yeah and I think one of the strangest things that I worked so I like I do some stand-up and I do other public speaking and yeah. there's always been this slight weird thing that I just will not eat a proper meal beforehand and mm. like, lots of people who know me well you know including like my podcast co-host they like they've never understood it because they're just like you're not a nervous person you know yeah. like, like, I, I have nerves I think we all do like if you're about to go on stage but I'm generally fine you know I'm not the person who sits sort of quietly in the corner composing myself I'm sort of you know chatting and working the room um but yeah the food thing it's always been like I, I might eat a pack of crisps or like a bowl of chips but nothing proper um and I think that's something that I've like been 
like again once with this anxiety having disappeared i've sort of worked out that yeah it's that fear that this would be the worst possible time to have an allergic reaction so i'm gonna completely reduce the risk you know and um i was chatting through this with um someone that i regularly perform with and she was like Mm. well you know when we start going back to normal maybe pack your own food i was like yeah that's a really good idea that's a really good idea definitely because i was gonna say as well i think sometimes even when you're not nervous um just a sort of body full of adrenaline can kind of belie you the amount of times where i've been like well i feel quite i feel very calm in my mind but actually like well there's i i have other little tells you know a desire to smoke (laughs) etc that you're like oh i must be a little bit fizzy right Mm. through to like a slightly shaking hand yeah microphone in it um yeah god it God, that's absolutely fascinating that there's been some relief in the control, like the control of the origins of everything you eat and lockdown with that. Say scrum diddly umptious. And then you can be in my podcast. Would you talk to me about your experiences of eating growing up? Because I feel like you were saying there's been, I don't know, maybe more than one cultural influence in terms of your eating experiences and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's something I've been like unpacking a lot recently. And it's actually part of why someone recommended your podcast to me, I think, months yeah. ago now. They were like, you need to listen to this. Um, th- I think there were lots of different influences. So there were things like... The fact that, you know, in sort of my mum's family, sort of large Indian family, like food is, you know, a cornerstone of everything. It's how you show yeah. love. It's how you celebrate. You know, we we're saying about Eid earlier. Um, and it's, so it's a very, very positive thing. Yes. Um, but also I, so I, I don't know if this is like too much information, but I so I went no through, no uh, things are too much information <laughs> on this podcast. Um, so I went through like puberty really early. Like I got my period when I was yeah. ten, and I went from a very skinny child to very like chubby and then curvy. You know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Within like it feels like within months, especially when I look back at photos, and I think it meant that people were very quickly sort of talking about my weight. Um, oh god and especially I think so after I we moved back to Singapore when I was 14 and there were these sort of twin influences that at the time I wasn't very good at separating but I had family who comment on weight and would say like oh you've put on weight or you've lost weight or um and now I sort of know like they don't there isn't actually much value added there it's more yeah. I think in the wider society you think because of all these extra influences you mm-hmm. think that, oh my god like my aunt said I've put on weight this must be a bad thing when actually she'd probably she probably comments on it in exactly the same terms that she comment on oh your hair's grown longer <laughs> do you, do, oh that's so interesting so so you think that the, 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 actually the majority of the comments come from a place of neutrality in the same way that you'd oh, say yeah, oh yeah. you've got the, the, your shoes are new yeah, and I think def- like especially now as I'm like a more as confident, happy in myself adult, mm. like I go back to Singapore and I really do see that, and I, I see that in how people talk to each other. I know someone well who's uh, Singaporean, and mm. um, their their mum is comments, but definitely not from a place of neutrality mm. on their weight. Mm. Um, to the extent that on the day they were trying on. Uh, their wedding dress with their mum. Mm. Their mum said in a disappointed way in front of everyone in the shop, oh, I thought you were going to lose some weight. 
Oh, God. Oh, that breaks like, oh, my heart. Oh, oh, oh. So when you started talking about, I suppose, attitudes to... F- Mm. bodies, fatness, bigness, smallness mm. in Singapore. I was like, oh, where is this going to go? So I, it was a curveball to me that you were like, no, it's just a... a, a because actually, ultimately, a world where... A world where we can, in a neutral way, observe mm. changes in bodies is good in the sense that there ought not be that taboo. I think that a lot of fat activism's fighting that in the sense yeah. that it's like, no, fat is fat. Let's call this yeah. fat. Let's get yeah. it out. Let's see it. Let's mm. love it. Let's, you know, let's neutralise our feelings about it. Let's take yeah. all that latent kind of hatred, I suppose, with mm. the argument mm. away from it um, and have a neutral view of it. It's almost exactly what they're going for. The problem is from a just a, a sort of umbrella feminist point of view potentially it's like comments on body constant comments on body full stop yeah um, well why is that it, or appearance i should say yeah i mean I is again just comes under that thing of like oh well couldn't can't the first few things you notice be <laughs> well this, so there, was, there was this moment that i did like it did really hit me though like even though i think i knew it wasn't coming I think it was the first time I went back to Singapore after I'd started university. And I was so proud of what I'd achieved and where I was. And and it was then that when some of the first comments were still about like, oh, you've lost weight from, you know, from all the cycling rather than mm. we're so proud of you because, you know, you're doing amazingly well. Like that did hurt. And I think yeah. that's where I think, you know, and it, it is incredibly gendered. Like if that had been yeah. my brother, they probably would have been commenting on the degree he was doing. Like, yeah, if, yeah. I'm brutally honest. And it's interesting you comment about sort of Sing- Singapore because I think even though my family were quite neutral, I think... Mm. Singapore definitely has a wider issue with sort of fat phobia and I think it my impression growing up was that it was worse towards kids in Singapore so at school we had this thing called the tough club which stands for like trim and fit but all the kids used to say fat backwards um and it was it was like I look back on it trim trim and fit yes Jesus Christ and we used to have to we had to give up all so the ways like Singapore school worked when I was there is you did a morning session or an afternoon session depending on your year group so you didn't have a lunch but you had like a break and we had to give up all our breaks to exercise Um, the teachers would pretty much en masse take it upon themselves to keep an eye on what the sort of tough club kids were eating. Oh, and it was sort of, if your BMI was over a certain rate, like number, you were just in that club. Oh Um, my God. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's like something I, oh my God. Like I look back at that and I'm horrified, you know. um, Well, there'll be people that would be advocating for that in the UK now, you know, I think the way every now and again an article will come out about you know child obesity and sugar addiction and all of these things where it's like this stuff is unlike or it's just reeking shame it's pouring shame uh, and toxicity onto a situation that would be so much better founded by uh, so so much better addressed with um, genuinely open mind and compassion and an understanding that that some bodies are going to be bigger so they're going to need more energy like I just don't 
Yeah, it, it just all just, seems, it just seems so unscientific, let alone on. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that just like drives me just bonkers because yeah, it is unscientific. Like BMI works for populations, not individuals. Yeah. Like, no. Nope. Um, like, oh, sorry, I'm jumping around in terms of time. No, sorry, sorry, I'll but, shut um, up. You've been too fascinating. I was just going to say on the sort of it being unscientific front, I had like this is fast forwarding to when I was actually at university, but I had mm. a hilarious interaction with a GP who. Um, like she was looking at like my weight in my head she was like I don't understand you've put on weight but you look so much slimmer and I like I think I was like first or second year of biology degree then I had to be like um muscle weighs more than fat and and she just sort of looked at me she was like oh yeah you're right and I was like why why am I having to explain this to the doctor unbelievable yeah yeah we are so weight focused especially I feel like medicine, the healthcare system is so, Mm. so weight focused. And actually it's, there's so much to do with body composition. And I I I was just reading something recently that it's, that it's not even, uh, you know, that it, how your, what, how much your body weighs and how your body is composed can vary across dependent on so many things, but obviously muscle mass and bone density, Mm -hmm. but apparently even there are racial variations. There's yeah. all sorts of things that could come into it where it's like well, you, the assumption that you're obese if your height and weight correlate to a certain amount is, and also just the word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I mean, like it's um, like where fat tips into bad fat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the race thing was a big issue in Singapore as well because it's like it's a very diverse country. Um, yeah. But like the TAF club was very much heavily Indian and Malay girls. You know, even the right. same something like seventy percent Chinese, and you know, it was that you again, like you know, with BMI, knowing that across different sort of populations, like you're going to get different averages. That yeah. they were just using that, you know, one sort of guideline. Just it was really obvious that that you know was skewed. Yeah, um, and again, the fact that it was majority girls as well. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I suppose as well, because, yeah, puberty hitting and like you were saying, that massive, that very, really fast body transformation. Mm, mm. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, Oh, so interesting. So, but in terms of culinarily growing up, Mm. what were, what were the, what was, what eating was going on in your house as a kid? Um, A wide variety of eating. And I think like that that is the thing where I think that absolute like joy of food and showing love with food, I think it actually just counteracted those other like influences really well for me. And especially, I mean, my my mum, I think, just like went head to head with teachers about tough related things quite a lot mm-hmm. as well. And there was one school holiday where they wanted us to come in every day, and she was just like, "No, this is not happening." <laughs> like, um, oh my but yeah, God. like food has always like we eat all sorts, and like we always have done, you know, pasta, yeah. curries, dal, like fried rice. Um, I mean, it being, you know, Singapore mm. and Southeast Asia, it's not even like the one influence is Indian. There's also Malay food, Chinese food. Um, and I've just grown up like eating lots and lots of different things and lots and lots of different things as well. And I think food has just so often, but not always, um, been a source of joy for me 
That's good. What a, what a gloriously happy thing to hear. And do you still cook across that? Do you still cook loads of different types of stuff? Yeah, like we, I think I lean towards cooking slightly more Western stuff because my mum cooks more Eastern stuff, especially because I'm living with my parents at the moment. Uh-huh, um, fair enough. But I've, yeah, I do cook sort of lots of different things um, as well. So, yeah. Amazing. I want to ask you sort of a few lockdowny things, if that's yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, any, because food shopping is the only shopping you're allowed to do for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, presuming you were part of that. Did you um, buy anything um, impulsively that was particularly interesting? I found that um, <laughs> it felt like, a, especially a trip to a big supermarket. And there was one point where I was trying not to go more than once every two weeks. Um, felt like going to... Um, Alton Towers or something. So I felt I started to find myself buying really like sort of random items of tie-dyed clothing and shit like that. Like, absolutely, like what? What have you? Why? Is this sort of some bit of you that needed to spend some money you didn't really have? Like, what is wrong with you? So, is, is um, the tie-dyed clothing the most impulsive purchase? I bought a jumper with a zebra on it. Oh yes, you've mentioned um, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? Um, I've sort of went through a really sort of obsessive phase of um like when i say it was phase I, I spent a week where i i no it must have been two weeks where i just kept just really loading up on um pot noodles and mm-hmm. super noodles and i love super noodles but i'd sort of forgotten how much i really hate pot noodles <laughs> so um <laughs> that was a silly um, idea yeah so i i'm actually like clusters clinically vulnerable so i'm not shielding but i've been avoiding supermarkets um and generally avoiding the shops sort of just going out for walks and is that because the extremity of your allergies um it's i'm asthmatic as well um and my asthma tends to go particularly off the rails if i even get a normal cold so i'm being very careful lemon neck 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I haven't had the opportunity to impulse buy in supermarkets. Um, we've been mostly shopping online. Um, but I think my one impulse purchase like, was actually at, right at the beginning of lockdown. I bought myself a rowing machine. Um, oh, nice. Which is like... <laughs> Given that at that moment, I thought I'd like lost pretty much like all my freelance work for the foreseeable future. It felt like a really stupid, a stupid thing to do. But <laughs> like, it's been such a source of joy and actually like, you know, a, you know something I can do exercise on. I found some great like YouTube videos and things. So, yeah. It's Wicked. I've always, I've always really loved a rowing machine, actually. Yeah. I really yeah. like them. I could, it's, it's one of the few, like, um, I don't, I don't. I've I've never ever enjoyed even half a second on a running machine. It's just not for me. I know other people are into it, but like I've endured cross trainers, like all the basically all the cardio items of a yeah. gym. I, I think f- for me personally can swivel, but I found my joy in lifting weights. But um, I've, I do of all of them, the most tolerable I would say is a rowing machine <laughs> because I, I can get into a rhythm on it where I forget that I'm there. If you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I think that's it for me. And like, I also find it's something that, like, get like so being asthmatic, it's quite easy to pace yourself and sort yes. of build up rather than go too you know too quickly, too fast, or anything that's so like true. That. Actually, you'd have to go. You you'd have to, especially if anyone was watching, you'd have to look quite um what's the word eccentric <laughs> to, to get to the point on a rowing machine where you were really anyone really going for it on a rowing machine i think it's very different if but if anyone listening for i love rowing like in an actual river in a boat that's not what i'm on about i'm on about on a machine <laughs> if you have one of those people that looks like they're trying to pull the train out the thing mm. you don't look you sort of don't look mentally very well um <laughs> whereas actually so yeah you the only sane the only sane thing to do is go and sort of gentle pace mm. on them. What great purchase. <laughs> I think it's a very successful impulse purchase. Yay. I absolutely wish I'd bought a barbell before all this. Apparently they're extremely expensive now. Uh, um yeah, the Roman I think go. I got in there like just before everyone started pa- panic buying fitness yeah. equipment. Um yeah. Because I think, like, I sent the link to a friend the week later and it, like, doubled in price or something. Oh, yeah. um, and have you eaten or drunken, that's how you say those words, <laughs> uh, anything particularly lockdown-y? So any odd combination of things and or maybe, or you know, some, you've eaten something up that um, probably would have just lived at the back of a cupboard forever if you hadn't, a weird cocktail anything like that so i can't believe this is my second avocado related like um story it's amazing <laughs> you're so millennial um, <laughs> i am um, um i made chocolate mousse with avocados expecting it to be like maybe tolerable um yeah. but it was really yummy like really really yummy <laughs> okay um, amazing uh, so that was a good one because I, I think like we had like we had two avocados in the fridge and then my mum brought home another four and i was like why um <laughs> needed to use them up um we've also like we've just got into this mind like we were never particularly bad at like wasting food but we've got into the mindset of just like it just feels really wrong at the moment to throw anything away so yes. there's been a few things so like we had um we had some leftover like chips from a takeaway 
Mm-hmm. Um, and my mum made it into like this amazing sweet and sour dish. That oh my god, really? It was so delicious. She basically like, fried the chips in like a mixture of spices and I think a bit of tomato ketchup um, <gasps> with peppers, and it was just it was so nice. And I don't think that's something we would have eaten normally. Um, oh, sounds incredible. Um, so I oh, refried them with. I just sort of trying to picture it and imagine what it would taste like. It was. T- it was that just so really like good. sweet and sour is definitely like how I describe it. Oh um, yeah, I suppose that's exactly what ketchup is, isn't it? Vinegar yeah, and sugar, yeah. really, and sort of the idea of a tomato once mm. ever, probably. And there's, there's been a few other things like that. Like we, I think for the first time ever, we like ended up with somehow a ho- like way too much gravy left over from a meal. Um, yeah. And the next day, I turned it into a, like it was a weird cross between a chili and a curry. Um, but then it was like a it was a big success. <laughs> it's just been nice. I it's been, like both like my mum and me because she's sort of the one who taught me to cook. Like we both have quite a sort of we're quite used to experimenting in the kitchen and just throwing something together without a recipe. And we've been doing a lot more of that during lockdown, which has so far, I think we've had a few sort of meh meals, but nothing bad and and lots of like really nice unexpected meals as well. Oh God, that's so exciting. I I love it. I love hearing about, I don't, I mean, I just don't like hearing myself say it, but do mean it i love hearing stories about food getting used up in a way that's really fit <laughs> it does really do um, i get so um i get like a, a really nerdy little high when like um so for example i recently just here had like a really brilliant mac and cheese mm. and um and it was part of another meal as like a side thing Mm -hmm. but you can't make a small amount of that so today there's mac and cheese to eat up and then I realized I've got like from my I get a fruit and veg box called odd box it's just really it's all like wonky fruit and veg Mm -hmm. that uh, get rejected by supermarkets I've got loads of spindly artichokes and I was like (gasps) I'm gonna have them with the leftover, just the just even the the planning of the combination yeah. and the feeling I'll get when those yum things have been used up and finished yeah. and enjoyed, and you can move on to the next. Yeah. Oh, I like I, it. I love that sort of like leapfrogging cooking as well. Like we've got this leftover, so what can we add to it? And then you sort of have some other yeah. leftovers, and it just there's something really nice about sort of creating something new from food you've already had um it's so true yeah Yeah, that creativity and i think it's um i knew i already already knew before lockdown that i was like i didn't like wasting food Mm. um um but uh, and i known that but i've also known that that's been something that's um sort of i mean to be honest uh I'm conflicted on this. I think from a from in terms of a mental health point of view and a relationship with eating point mm-hmm. of view, historically for me, I don't know that it's very helpful to have had it drilled into me from so young that you finish what's on your plate mm. and that you always eat up and that, fo- that, that food waste like that is bad because yeah. it, it, it doesn't um, assist in learning to eat intuitively. Yeah. Um, which I, I think is to eat healthily. Yeah. But equally, they're privileged to be able to go, well, I'm, well we can waste this. Mm, mm, mm. What well, is it or isn't it waste? I don't know. Uh, if you keep eating it beyond the point where you're wanting it, 
then it's also waste potentially who knows yeah i was brought up with very much like if you eat beyond the point when you're full it's as wasted as it going in the bin well that makes complete sense to Mm. me um that's like really stuck with me and i think that that has been quite a healthy attitude to have. Like, you know, like I have friends yeah. who have told that thing of, oh, well, a starving orphan somewhere could eat this. Why don't you finish it? And I'm just like, yeah. the starving orphan's not going to get that food. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, and I'm going to, yeah, and I'm going to, it doesn't, and it's going to, and I'm going to feel, yeah, I feel pretty disgusting next time I see a starving orphan and think mm-hmm. I had mine and yours and I didn't even want it. Um, <laughs> it's the, I understand the logic and I understand the privilege of mm, that thing. Mm. But equally, anyway, what I was going to say is I've, I've, so I've, I've been on high alert because I've had to sort of um, uh, philosophise and make more flexible my ideas about what is and isn't food waste mm. um, over the last few years of improving my relationship with eating. I, fe- I sort of went into lockdown very aware that this might that might be a challenging thing for me mm. to be like, well, you know, even in these circumstances... You don't have to put everything in your yeah. in your term. Mm-hmm. If you don't want it, don't have it. Like that, that would be my fault. But actually, one thing I hadn't foreseen is um, that it's that it's more externalised than actually. Is it is it all gone because I've eaten it all? Actually, I've realised that I get a really lovely sense of satisfaction from everything being gone from the veg box mm. or everything being gone from the salad tray or the fridge or whatever yeah, like yeah. or like you plan you plan a set of meals and then there's room for left like like you're saying invention from leftovers from two or three of them mm. and then like when that cycle is complete it's um also feels a bit thrilling to have a food uh, empty house of food yeah, yeah. at the moment because i know now we have if you're allowed out access to pretty much everything again mm. but it still feels that little bit frightening because it's a, certainly the first time in my life where there was ever even the threat of mm. not being able to get every mm. single thing you could ever possibly want from a supermarket yeah i think we, like, we usually do run down our sort of fridge and our cupboards like really well and i think that's something that i do I feel a little bit panicky now that we are very much not doing that because it feels yes. different. But I think yeah. because of the sort of l- less sort of freedom to go to the shops and it yeah. means that we are, you know, we're keeping some res- reserves in. Um, but yeah, it gets like the first time in my life that I've really had to do that, you know, um, which is a bit strange. Yeah. Um, and there are, you know, there are moments where I'm like, I just want to go and get this so I can cook this. Um, I totally understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't, you know, you still feel a little bit dodgy about those ones where you're like, I'm popping out just to literally get them. Yeah, yeah it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to ask you some sort of silly, tiny questions. Okay. Um, have you ever had a patch where you ate the same thing every day? Um, so when I lived alone, I was like very much into sort of my batch cooking. And nice. I would sometimes like make a, like a chili at a weekend and then just eat that for like a week straight. Um, sometimes lunch and dinner. Um, Magic. But I would like, I've always like, I would normally sort of make slight tweaks. So like sometimes I'd have a bit of feta on top or one day I'd eat it with rice, the next day I'd have a pit of bread. So it wasn't exactly the same thing. No, I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a little bit of... Um just throwing a tiny bit of unpredictability into yeah. it just to keep it keep it spicy how do you feel about the five second rule yes or no yes 
Yes. <laughs> to, to anything that isn't liquid. Um, okay. Even though, like, my boyfriend used to work as a microbiologist in food, in food safety. And, I mean, he he does it, but he's also like, you know, that there is absolutely no logic to it whatsoever. <laughs> Oh, I know. I mean, that's interesting, but it, it, it must be, it sort of must be sort of terrifying and empowering all at once to literally understand every single disgusting microbe of filth <laughs> that is on a bit of food when it's on the floor and still eat it and then know that, you well, you're fine. Yeah, ninety nine percent of the time you're not going to get ill from yeah, those thousand yeah. gross particles. Yeah, I think that like I mean, on the sort of knowing the stuffing like i do have that other side though where i'm like well if we never eat anything remotely risky like mm. we're not gonna have particularly strong stomachs and i like yeah. that's partly why i sometimes do things like that because i'm like well i'd rather in the long run have a bit of a stronger stomach that can you know is less likely to react to something mild yeah yeah. microdose the thing yeah, yeah. especially when there's already so much you've got to avoid to be fair i think that's a particularly um yeah. particularly makes sense for you it's like oh no fuck this like yeah. come on i want to <laughs> yeah I, I hear you um is there anything that you think demands to be eaten in a particular or ritualistic way often Ooh. people have this with, with certain food cho chocolate um bars and so with dairy, with like berry milk i quite like yeah just like breaking off one chunk and then just like letting it melt in the mouth oh um, god i can't believe anyone nobody has said that yet <laughs> but also i think the um the uh there's something so uh oh there's something quite powerful especially if you're talking about a really big bar here about mm. breaking off one chunk mm -mm. that is like such a power play that is like a <laughs> dick out power play isn't it just yeah. having one chunk and then taking your sweet sweet time over mm. it i mean oh. I know one chunk though <laughs> no i was gonna say you're not a monster <laughs> don't then not go back and do it again and again and again and again until you've had at least a rose <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad, I'm I haven't bad. done that for so long I think I might need to buy just a straight up basic bitch dairy milk just to do that to yeah. it have you had um, I like a, a sort of novelty variation on a classic and um, it's been around for a while now I think it's called Cadbury's Dark Milk Ooh. have you tried that? no I haven't it's um, what they've done is made a filthy little love child of dark chocolate and dairy milk. I will have to but, try this. Yeah, I, I I go I blow hot and cold on dark chocolate. I do love it, but um, mm -hmm. I just have to be in the mood. Mm -hmm. But um, it's it's sort of leaning heavily towards the milk chocolate side mm -hmm. of the milk to dark chocolate spectrum. Ooh, have you tried it's it's really hard to find in the uk it's called top deck and it's like no. um it's like dairy milk but the very sort of you know tips of the block are white chocolate <gasps> i've heard of it and do you know what it's reminding me of with it do you remember there used to be um i don't know i think you're quite a bit younger than me there used to be a bag of sweets called vice versus do you remember them yes yeah and I they were you. white and they, they took they either had dark, like a milk chocolate shell and white chocolate mm. inside or mm. yes the opposite mm. you know, no i haven't yeah. had a top i must have had a top deck I, no, I can just picture a top deck but again i feel like i've had it from a french supermarket yeah, not in normal like, everywhere day -to -day else life. i've been has it but we don't and i don't understand 
why. Like, I think the closest we get to it is, it's a fairly recent thing, but the Christmas chocolate that has like Christmas trees and some of them are white yeah. chocolate. And you get the Easter bunny one as well. But Oh, Hannah, though, I feel like if more people in the UK had known about Top Deck, then we might not be staring down the barrel of a Brexit. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, dear. I was about okay. a very cynical comment about if more people had known about you know different food generally but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair point <laughs> ah, um, so uh, oh okay this is a very silly question if there was literally no other option would you ever eat a person uh, I I knew you were going to ask this, but I don't know my answer. Like, I don't know because I just. So one of the ways I've sort of like it's a drawn... fair response. Sorry, it's a very fair response. <laughs> but I was just gonna... one of the like li- ways I've drawn the line between like which animals I'll eat and which I won't are mm. the ones I'd be willing to kill if it really came to it. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't kill another human. So I right, saw, yeah. not for food anyway, like maybe in self-defense of me. <laughs> oh, absolutely for jealous rage. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it when you said not for food anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just don't know. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, it's... It's really literally the only sensible answer anyone could give to that. <laughs> Unless they've already done it and they know they're great at it. Yeah, it's just like, um, how do I put myself in the mentality of absolute desperation? <laughs> yeah, harrowing. We get a COVID vaccine and it's absolutely banging, apart from a side effect that makes human nostril hair grow at over 100 miles an hour. (laughs) To start with, it's fine because everyone's so excited not to have any more COVIDs, but eventually people start losing their minds. They're tripping up over their nasal beards, having a terrible time doing all the post-COVID kissing they've been excited about for so long. It's a great big wall of hair in the way, all for their mouths. And there were riots, really hairy, nosy riots. Luckily, uh, a fiercely awesome scientist has found a way to update the vaccine vaccine, uh, to remove the side effects but she'll only do it she's a prankster you see if you and weirdly it does have to be you Hannah play nine hours of Dixit whilst balancing on a surfboard (laughs) it sounds impossible but you do it you're the hero of all people forever and ever and ever your reward is to have a place in history as an absolute stone cold mother cuddling legend but your award in the moment, and you are hungry because that surfing dicks, it was very long and tiring, um, is the feast of your dreams. So I would love to know that if you're in the happiest, hungriest place, what your dream, dream, dream things slash to eat would be. What would you eat? What would you drink? And if there's a who, with and where, then who, with and where, please. So this is this is actually like, an easy one for me it would just be like the spread that my grandma makes when I go visit her and preferably it would be at her house like with her and my mum and some other family give me some filthy details so her favourite dish that uh, my favourite dish that she makes for me is black pepper crab Mm. Um, and so Singapore has amazing seafood and it's just spicy it's messy it makes your it, your like eyes and your nose run but it's oh. just amazing oh where, um, so, and sorry tell me where this is where where's it 
where's it from black pepper crab i'd never heard of it i I think it's one of these like weird southeast asian dishes that probably isn't from a set culture but has just come out of something and it's it's i I really want your grandmother's black pepper crab (laughs) carry on so like one of singapore's national dishes is chili crab and i think it's similar to that but it's just a very different spice um and then another thing she makes is she does this amazing sort of prawn and okra dish that's just like, mm. it's like slimy, but right in the very right way. And you eat that with oh. like freshly cooked rice and it just like soaks into the rice. Gorgeous. Um, there's these like potato sort of cutlet things called bugadale that she makes that like, mm. it's like mashed potato that's then been like fried. So um, sometimes it has mints in it. But um, I tend to have it without mints. Um, nice. What else would she make? She just makes so many different things. Like she quite often will make like a soup that has like quail's eggs and baked mm. corn um, with like runner beans in it. Um, and there's always just like lots of different choice, and you end up having about like four courses so that you can oh. taste everything. Um, oh God, I'm so happy about it. I've not long, I've not long had breakfast, and obviously I've been eating. Bread. Brownies, and I—it's the most. Um, it's the most sort of uh, peaked my interest has been by. You've, I'm really into this. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> and I just, she just she is one of the best cooks I've ever encountered. And what is what's a, her name? Let's say hello. What's her name? Um, she's called Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. You sound like a really great cook, Sarah. <laughs> and what is amazing is every dish on the table will just have a, a completely distinct flavour. Mm. so you know she'll just have used very like so one might have more sort of a tamarind feel you know the garlic might be really clear in one dish but not in the others and just it's just yeah absolute burst of like flavor in every mouthful like it sounds like um (laughs) a real magician yeah uh, incredible and um and would you be sharing the meal with her i presume yeah definitely her um ideally my mum my dad maybe some of my cousins um my boyfriend's out in singapore as well so he might as well come along um (laughs) brilliant oh mate well thank you so much what beautiful answer and what a lovely um well, it was been a joyful to talk to you, to Hoover with you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been really fun to talk. My pleasure. Mm, yummy, my tongue. What a mega brain and total pop at Hannah is. Follow her on social media at Hannah Ayub, H-A-N-A-A. Y-O-O-B and the podcast she's a massive part of is on Acast as well and there's a link in the podcast notes it's all sciencey and funny and very engaging it's called Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? Uh, only other things to let you know about is that sometimes I'm doing Instagram lives from the Hoovering Instagram account, sort of nine-ish in the evening with former guests. Not every week, but whenever I can, uh, with some amazing people I've had on, um, people like Mark Watson and Rosie Jones. And also to let you know, as a massive brag, really, that I'm on the next series of QI that's out on the telly soon. It was recorded before lockdown, so we were all sat next to each other and everything. That's right, I was sat next to Sandy Toxvig in real life. <laughs> I've peaked. Uh, if you've got any spare money, I reckon give it to a f- food bank. Um, if you've only got a little bit or indeed give it to any of the campaigns supporting um, 
Black Lives Matter. All you need to do is look up Black Lives Matter uh, Instagram and or Twitter, and there'll be you can find a million links on there. I've posted links on my Twitter to um, places that would be really useful to donate to. Um, actually, just give you yeah, do you do any money there? Go on, just do money there. Um, you can follow us on uh, the internet. It's at the Hoovering Pod on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and I am on there as at Jessica Foster uh, if you want to send me anything longer than a tweet, do it through my website, jessicafosterq.com. Huge thanks to ACAS for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.